Good afternoon and welcome to the Carolina Codecast, the official podcast of the Carolina Code Conference. I'm your host, Barry Jones, and with me today is Joey Lohman. Say hello, Joey. Good afternoon. Glad to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for yeah, inviting thanks me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. You you are a, a highly requested guest on this show. Uh, you are into absolutely everything under the sun. And a lot of people in the area right now will know you for, for Synergy Mill. And so so tell us a little bit about Synergy Mill and how all that got started and, and you know what y'all do and, and yeah, just just for the audience yeah. that doesn't know a lot about it yet. Well, hey, thanks thanks for asking. Um, so Synergy Mill is basically it's a big room with tools in it. It's a makerspace. It's a community workshop. Uh, it's a DIY shop. We do you know there's all sorts of different names for it. Fab Lab. We are an actual Fab Lab. Um, it's an MIT uh, project out of MIT. Oh, um, a network of of makerspaces. Fabrication. Uh, and we happen to qualify for that. Yeah, we're a fabrication lab. Um, and so, uh, yeah, for a monthly subscription or, uh, you know, donations or whatever, just stop by and you can make stuff, uh, fix things. Um, we have welding equipment, carpentry oh, equipment, wow. uh, a bunch of 3D printers, uh, laser cutters, uh, sewing machines, vinyl cutting machines, electronics tools. Uh, yeah. And so we do everything from robotics to drones to furniture, refinishing furniture. Uh, we start small businesses here. People come in with an idea and, uh, usually they're like, Hey, I figured I could sell these on Etsy. And so I'm making a couple of them and now I got to hire somebody. And now we, you know, catch you all later because we're shipping internationally and, you know, start a real business. So we've had about 14, 15 businesses that have started out of Synergy Mill. That is fantastic. As, you know, either, either hobbies or, or, uh, some of them were, uh, you know, everything from super low tech to super high tech. Uh, it all kind of comes through here. And so we could see a lot of very, very interesting projects that, uh, that people try and, and, uh, we help them do that. That is, that is really cool. That's quite legitimately right on the hub of, of innovation of helping people, of helping people build stuff. And so, uh, you know, for me as somebody who's never done any like fabrication work, I've, I've dealt entirely with software my entire life. Uh, if I had like an idea for a product or something like that, or if I had something at my house that was a piece of equipment that was broken. I could come in there, I could pay my, I could pay my fee and, and you have all the equipment and you'll be able to show me how to use it and everything too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we help people fix things. We help people learn how to do CNC milling. We have classes for that, uh, classes for welding. If you want to, you know, discover welding, I mean, we're not going to turn you into a, you know, we're not going to get you a welding job, but like I tell you, I could tell you this, that, uh, you know, you can make a lot of money with, you know, as a welder at the welding job, but you can make a lot more money. If you weld art and you don't have to be a good welder, you just have to, you know, have some talent doing oh. art. So yeah. Uh, you know, weld a bunch of metal together and stick it on Etsy for a thousand dollars. And you know, if it's you know good, of course, yeah. you know, if people will pay what, what they want to pay. But the thing is that, that, uh, all of that stuff is here and, uh, you know, we have multiple thousands of dollars worth of welding equipment and welding gear that you could come in and, you know, just strap up and go. Wow. Wow, yeah, I've never done any welding, but I've actually I've thought about it on on a number of occasions. It, it's I'm always trying to find some hobby where I can work with my hands when I actually get free time one of these days. <laughs> and, and for whatever reason, I've I've always been kind of drawn to the idea of getting into of getting into welding. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the cool thing is that you know because the shop has all of the tools, uh, we see a lot of crossover. It's not just woodworking, but you know some people will uh, 3D print some parts that they will include into wood projects yeah. or 3D printed parts that go into electronics projects. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, Raspberry Pi, um, small PC, uh, you know, that kind of stuff yeah. going on. And you can 3D print boxes or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you're, you're, there's cross-discipline, yeah. right? You can you can you can cross things up. It's not like the woodworkers killed, which is a great place, but you can only do woodworking there. Uh, here, you can you know you could build a table, weld the the uh, the legs on it, and uh, do the uh, epoxy river down the middle of it. So you, you know you got all of those technologies wow. and all of those arts that uh, kind of uh, converge here that you get to try. That is that is that's really interesting. And, and you're right here in Greenville, of course, and so. 
Yep, downtown. Yep. So y'all have been around for for how long? But a little over ten years now. Yeah. So the idea started uh, it was back in like 2010. Uh, we started the Greenville Makers Group, 2010, 2011, somewhere. I don't remember exactly. Okay. Um, and then in 2014, uh, I actually put a an idea out on a website called What If Greenville. I, don't know I remember that. I remember that. The Orange Court guys built that. Didn't yeah. I, the exi- yes, the Orange Court guys did. And so I I put this idea up there of Hey, what if if Greenville had a network of makerspaces? where people could go and do projects and all this kind of stuff. That was 2014. And that particular post happened to be the most looked at, most read, most shared, most commented post on What If Greenville over the years. And uh, so I figured I had a really good thing going. Uh, And then uh, the Greenville Makers Group kind of just didn't quite work out. We had some people that just weren't quite on board. And uh, so Doug and I, Doug Cohn, you might know him, uh, he and I, we picked it up and said, hey, we're going to be, we're actually going to pull the trigger on this. We're going to be, you know, we're going to do it. So uh, that was when uh, uh, the next organization in Greenville um, opened up the next manufacturing facility. So there's, at the time, there were several uh, next organization uh, facilities around town. There was the next on Main, uh, where OpenWorks right. is. Uh, there was the, ne- the next on University Ridge, which is the innovation center. Uh, and then you have uh, Next Manufacturing, which was specifically for manufacturing businesses. So this this building uh, is basically a co-working space for small manufacturing companies uh, like Huwaki and uh, Behringer was one of them. They did brakes for uh, light sport aircraft here. Um, and, and there was us. And uh, uh, we're, you know, we're just these kids who like to play around and just, you know, have fun, make stuff and we burn things and. You know, we just just goof around mostly. Uh, so we happened to become a uh, uh, the, the first tenant, uh, surprisingly, the first tenant in Next Manufacturing, and so that was in 2015. And uh, so over the years, we've just kind of really dug in here. We've we've uh, expanded a little bit. Uh, shop is now up to about 3,000, 3,500 square feet, and uh, it's just a fun time. Of course, Next has changed all of their stuff, uh, so it's the building is called Next Manufacturing, but the Next organization really isn't involved as much as uh, as they were before. That's really, really interesting. And I know the very first Carolina Code Conference was actually held in that building. Um, oh, wow. In the, in the Next Manufacturing building. It was over there when um, it was in a cool working space brickyard. Brickyard that was right next to it. And so yep. I know a lot of people got to kind mm-hmm. of walk over to, to Synergy Mill during that. And I've gotten to come over to Synergy Mill a couple of times. Mm-hmm. never made anything over there before. I'd, I'd like to change that one day. But um, it's it's really interesting to know that you've got all this this high-end equipment there. and Because I don't know anything about 3D printing. Yeah, I know my, my kids have like mm-hmm. a, a kid's 3D printer that they that has like certain toys and everything that they can make on, on an app just to kind of get them exposed to how it works. And supposedly you can use that to make other stuff. I have no idea how to even get started with something like that. And if I did, I wouldn't want to use the little bits of plastic that they give us to make these toys with. And so what type of stuff could I make with the 3D printers at at Synergy Mill? Wow. You know, there's, it's absolutely amazing. There's things that you can make with 3D printers that you cannot make any other way. It's, It's an additive manufacturing process that you can create things that are mathematically based Things that uh, uh, you can't mill or carve or, um, you know, produce any other way, uh, which which makes it really unique to to make some really awesome things. Uh, now we have a bunch of three D printers here. Uh, actually, we just got a donation of uh, three large format resin printers, uh, and there may be some more of those coming. So that gives us four resin printers here. Nice. Uh, and then we have uh, a very large format Fusion 3 of uh, regular plastic FDM printer. Uh, the workhorse of the shop is a, a little Prusa Mini, which is just absolutely amazing. You, you, you just drop your thing in there, hits a one-button go, and it just does it, and it gets it done. You know, most 3D printers have, have in, historically have been the project, right? Yeah. You, you buy the 3D printer and you and you put it together and you try to get it to work and, and all this kind of stuff. That's that's the boring part of 3D printing. The cool stuff is the cool things that you can make. 
So uh, uh, one of the fun things we do around here is we can scan you uh, in high-resolution 3D scanning uh, and put you into a video or a, an editor, a 3D modeling editor, and uh, turn you into a uh, Pez dispenser. What? Yeah, super awesome. Oh, um, and that's a fun thing that, that, that we do. Um, yeah, print you right out and snap you right on top, and you know you get the you know the yeah candy candy dispenser. So that's that's awesome. fun. Um, it, it, and you know one of the the, the cool high tech things inside there that I I almost alluded to was that when we put you into that editor, uh, we have VR uh, headsets and stuff here, so we can actually put your three D model into VR, make edits in VR. So. You know, expand your model up to room size, walk around it and say, oh, well, hey, his glasses need to be moved this way. And, uh, you know, let's cover that part up or if this won't print good or there's an error in the model, let's fix that. And, you know, you can actually with your hands and arms and interact with it, make it bigger, smaller, turn it around. And then you dump it back out to the printer and, and, uh, and print it out. That's really that is just some absolutely amazing technologies yeah, that uh, uh, is, is a, that's, you know, it's the basis of advanced manufacturing and we're just, we're just toying with it, but it's the basics that will help you develop things, you know, spacecraft parts. We can get into doing CubeSats and those, those kinds of things yeah. that, that uh, you know, have really high technology stuff uh, can show up uh, doing that kind of thing. I mean, so if I was getting into to doing a 3D model that I could print, like what type of software would I use for that? Is there any free software you use for that type of stuff? Or Oh, yeah. Um, now, one of the things about me is I don't like to spend a whole lot of time learning stuff. I don't like to spend, you know, wrestling with things. I want to get something done. And especially if I'm doing it for money, right. like I need to produce a thing. I need to get it done. I need to build a model. I need to print it out. I need to, yeah, it needs to happen. I don't need to, I don't need to be fussing with the tool. Absolutely. So uh, I I use Tinkercad, uh, Tinkercad.com. It's a uh, an Autodesk product and and it's free and it's super powerful. Uh, it's it's almost like super simple like Legos, but then you figure out well, hey, you can do some really complicated projects on this in 3D, 3D model them, and you can actually animate them and you do all sorts of physics uh, experimenting with them. I mean, it's it's super powerful. And, uh, yeah, you can export that stuff out, drop it right into the printer and hit the go button and turn it into a real object that you can hold. Wow. That's, that's really, really incredible. So I know we've kind of talked back and forth. My son is in a, is in a Boy Scout troop and, um, I've, I've thought for a long time, it'd be really cool to bring the troop up to, up to Synergy Mail and, and do kind of a tour over there because I don't think a I think especially when, when kids are younger in general, just giving them an idea of of what is out there if they had an idea or if they wanted to build something would be would be cool. And there's also and there's like an invention merit badge and a vendor merit badge that they, they can kind of work on. It seems like they'd be able to do a lot of that stuff there to kind of go through the prototyping process of, of building something. Um, do you ever, I mean, do y'all have like a lot of open houses or, or tours and everything that you do for the facility? Oh yeah, at least a couple times a month we'll open up the uh, open up the shop and open house and we'll you know promote it on Facebook and Instagram and blah 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 LinkedIn and blah whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, and we're here a lot of the time. I've, this is not my full time gig, but this is my most of the time gig. Right. And uh, people just stop in and hey, I was in the area or uh, you know I want to check this out and uh, stop in and take a look. Uh, but we do have. Uh, you know the, the room is an interesting room. You you, you mentioned about exposed to this kind of stuff that spark creativity yeah. of course it does and then you walk into the room and it's like wow i can do all of these things here and then there's the the ugly flip side to that coin is wow it's an intimidating room uh you know there's so much here to do how can i possibly do it and you know uh, uh, getting somebody to get into just making something simple and having the joy of that, it's the same joy for an eight-year-old kid who drew something and his mom put it on the, the refrigerator. That same joy shows up when you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old making a thing. And it's it comes from the heart. It comes from, I created that. It's It was thought, and now it's a real thing. And now maybe I give, it's a gift 
that I, you know, I came in and I laser cut a sign to give to my wife or my girlfriend or mom or whatever it is that, you know, for Christmas. And and now you've, you, you created something, you got that joy, you're going to give it away. You create more joy. It's, it's, and it, it sparks innovation and it sparks creativity and it, it sparks wanting to actually do it and get it out into the real world. That's really cool. It's, it's, it's great to, to have that out there. Um, and then no facility like this is available. So, you know, so you and Doug started back in 2010, uh, you said, and so, you know, before 2010, what were you doing? <laughs> well, I, I'm, uh, uh, at the end of a 20 some year career in television production, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, that career has, has a video engineer, um, Building television studios, doing uh, directing. Correct. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, multi-camera video shoots. Um, Here recently, I've built, uh, because of the pandemic, this is kind of fun. Uh, Because of the pandemic, there was uh, a a company that did corporate training, and they invited me, or hired me, really, uh, to come build studios in their trainers' homes because they could no longer travel. Uh, So for... 2020, 2021, I, I went around, uh, and built multi-camera video studios in people's homes so they could do corporate training. Um, but on, on, on the bigger side of that, uh, I've worked at some large facilities, large churches, uh, telephone company, uh, building television studio, television equipment. And, uh, uh, and then of course, teaching the camera operators how to do their thing and directing and, and all of that kind of stuff, television, video production, and as an editor and a producer. So, yeah, that was what I did uh, kind of on the side in the last 25 years. Uh, before that, I was a uh, director at a telephone company in Kansas City, Missouri, called XOP of Missouri, and I was the network architect. And uh, we were one of the first uh, telephone companies to uh, roll out DSL uh, in uh, a community. Wow. And... Uh, that was that was a fun thing, it, you know. Uh, the, all uh, high speed data, uh, 140 channels of digital television, which is actually where I got my start in television production. Oh, was I built a studio there, yeah, there for the TV. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a path yeah. that, that kind of went through that. Uh, so uh, yeah, back in 1995, 96, four, five, six, somewhere in there. Uh, I had the choice of either going to work for a cable TV company that wanted to get into telephone services or a telephone company that wanted to get into cable TV services. And so, uh, I chose the, uh, I chose the telecom company that got into to television services. Cause I had, I, that was kind of my college degree was in, um, computer science and telecommunications right. and, uh, and, in, and, and some engineering stuff. So, uh, uh, I had a, I, 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 everything is going to data, right? It's not analog TV anymore. It's all, it's all data. And that's where I got my data start as a, as a network engineer. Wow. Well, any, uh, any fun stories from, from all that kind of work? Oh man. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of fun stuff that, that, that happened back then. Uh, you may have heard of a company called MCI. Yeah. Uh, it was a telephone company back then, uh, and I, I started doing some stuff with MCI, uh, and it was a company called Terracom. And what we did was we uh, were the, it was the cutting edge. This was back in like 1993, two, three, four, somewhere okay. in there. Um, we had the idea of combining uh, one service for uh, internet services, telephone services, pagers because there was pagers oh, back yeah. then um long distance services and all that stuff we put all, all of that together we we became essentially a rebuilder and uh uh the company was a actually it was a network marketing company that uh uh we put all the stuff together and uh um uh, yeah we got it going and mci was doing their thing and we were doing our thing and one day i called up to mci and i was like hey i need to talk to my rep about whatever and they were like we don't know who you are and i was like what do you mean you don't know who i am i'm the you know, this and this and that. Let me talk to your, your boss. And they were like, no, boss isn't here. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Who, who is there? And they were like, okay, here's the thing. 
your whole project disappeared. The attorneys came in, they took all of, of all of the documentation, everything, and they fired everybody that was involved with what you were doing. What? Yeah. And it was gone. And so, uh, Terracom communications was like, uh, okay, we've got all of these customers on internet and telephone service and we're billing and all the, the fun stuff. And so boom, it disappeared in a blinding flash of light. And, uh, <laughs> wow, that was a surprise. That was a surprise. Uh, yeah, man. Um, that's what happened. Goodness gracious. Uh, but uh, it, I found another, you know, the the other exop of Missouri, and we went and we overbuilt, uh, we overbuilt the town of Kearney, Missouri, which has had about two thousand some some people, and uh, we actually bought a building and we put in a Siemens Class Five switch. Uh, we overbuilt the town. We didn't resell anything from anybody. We were the first, uh, actually, the first telecommunications company uh, that was tariffed as an incumbent telephone company uh we weren't in in competition with anybody uh as a competitive local exchange carrier who you know those guys resell stuff and you know, like they go to southwestern bills hey i would like to buy these lines and then we'll sell them under our name but we didn't do that we actually when somebody ordered our service we sent out a guy in a truck and we dug up their yard and we dropped in you know telephone cable to the house uh and then sold them internet services which we ported back to Kansas City, uh, uh, back and forth from from Kansas City to uh, Kearney, and that uh, if you understand anything about how telephone companies make money, it's by terminating phone calls. And so at the time, uh, we floated the whole telephone company on internet services, dial-up internet services from town that terminated in Kearney, Missouri. So, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of people calling us uh, made. Sprint and Southwestern Bell pay us to terminate the calls for internet services, and uh, that's how we floated the the telephone company. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was that was a fun time. Uh, and we overbuilt the town with a fiber to the node uh, system, and uh, it was we hadn't quite figured out Ethernet yet. Uh, so the transport was ATM. If you asynchronous transfer, no, I don't I don't back, remember back ATM. Then. Yeah, so there was a lot of ATM stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so it was just a different a different mo- uh, mode of transport. Okay. Uh, packets got 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 uh, chopped up different ways. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we, uh, and then of course you you know you got our service. You got two telephone lines and uh, 140 channels of cable television and uh, 10 megabits of Ethernet uh, all to your home on a set top box. Solid deal. And, uh, that was, that was in 1999, 2000, yeah. 2000, 2000, 2001. So we were the, at the time we were probably the most high tech telephone company and, you know, this end of the so world. Before you were doing right, any of in, that, were you in involved West. in like BBSs or anything like the dial street? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh buddy. Uh, yeah. 1980, uh, 80, uh, 82. I, st- I actually started uh, 1980, 81, 82. Uh, I got my first computer. Uh, it was a Kim 1 single board microcontroller. Okay. And that morphed, morphed into a Commodore 64 and then to a, tel- a TRS-80 color computer, which is a really cool machine. Um, and uh, I met a guy at high school, uh, David Wallace. That's a, that's a good name. His name was Pen. He was the Penguin. Okay. Uh, and I was Ski. I was ski on the on the the, the bulletin boards, and he ran a a, a BBS on uh, on a Commodore sixty four. One telephone line coming in to a modem, and uh, he had a uh, you know had, had a disk drive there and 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 all of that. But this was this was back in the day when um, you know I had a Commodore sixty four, and I didn't have I didn't have anything I didn't have storage or anything. It was like I had a I, that tape cassette deck maybe uh, eventually came along. But when I first got it, I didn't have anything. And so for me to get on the bulletin boards and run the little modem that it's a 300 baud modem, I had to, I had to type in and write my terminal program that opened up the port and sent characters and read the port, displayed them to the screen. You know, it was all, it was all like four lines. Yeah. No big deal. But <laughs> to get, to get onto the, to the BBSs and he ran a, a BBS called a DX logbook BBS, which is, uh, as an amateur radio, uh, themed BBS back in the day. Okay. And so. 
I became an amateur amateur radio operator back then. Uh, this was back, yeah. I am, yes, uh, still am. Uh, general class ham, uh, and do all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, listen to the space station as it rolls over, nice. and uh, yeah, we did packet radio back in the day and all that fun what stuff. What do you mean so, to segue right from the uh, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problems. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, those were fun times, uh, to watch all of that stuff start happening. And, uh, uh, I built robots back in the day. Uh, of course there were no kits back then, you know, Lego Mindstorms or anything like right. that. No, we had to go to Home Depot and you bought the materials and you sawed it up and you, you know, you screwed it together and scraped and, and found motors wherever you could find motors and. And, uh, we used a, uh, me and a buddy built a, uh, a robot arm, uh, that was controlled by the, uh, uh, TRS-80 color computer. Um, and yeah, uh, and the, uh, the Commodore 64, uh, there's probably some pictures still rolling around on the internet somewhere. We've won the science, all the science fairs nice. <laughs> in 80, 84, 85, 86, somewhere. So, you know, if the eighties ever comes back, I will be high tech. Uh, <laughs> But, but uh, oh, you I know, asked about the BBS. Uh, that's actually where, like, I got a lot of my early interest in, in some of the stuff. Is you know, there was a there was a store in Florence, South Carolina called CompuForce. It was basically the computer store in Florence, and they had a list of BBSs that they basically kept like a directory of the phone numbers for a bunch of different BBSs in the area. And uh, you know, when you go in there and you buy your your fourteen four baud modem. Uh, to, to plug in and you, you dial in and as a kid, you could dial in, you could play these games once a day and other people who are on the, would, you know, go in and they take their turn dialing in one at a time, play their daily turn of the game. Like I'd have, I'd have friends over and they'd spend the night and we'd wait till midnight and we'd all take our turns on the, you know, dialing in and doing our, our turn on the BBS. And, uh, and we would go through every single one of them. We'd play our games on every single one of the things and it was real competitive and it'd be, uh, you know, at one point we started getting really good at one of them and we started taking over one of the games on one of them because we kind of found a little bit of a hack to, to a technique to it. There was an old game called Usurper that was on these things. And we figured out there was some, uh, character structure that you could use on the games on those BBSs that was, um, it was, it could beat anything. And, uh, whoever ran the BBS got irritated because we were killing everybody else. Then, and they actually watched us play it to figure out what we were doing. And then they kicked us off. <laughs> nice. Nice. Do you ever do any hacking? Do you ever do uh, like any war games dialing or anything like that? God. I, I, I wish I could say I did, but I didn't actually get into anything on the actual programming side of technology other than, you know, just gaming until I got to college. And there just wasn't anything that I ever got into. And I, I always, you know, I, I want to get into it now. Like the cybersecurity stuff fascinates me today. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just never really got into it. Hmm. Or you haven't got caught yet. Is that what you're saying? No comment. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I got a story on that oh, one. Goodness. Uh, so yeah, back it was, it was in high school, um, actually a, ju a junior high and, uh, a buddy of mine got a TI 99 for a, and I got the Commodore 64 and we both had modems and, and, uh, of course we prone to getting in trouble as kids do uh, just we, we discovered that uh, you know sprint had these long distance codes and uh, you could war games dial these codes you know you just you, you dial up the number and you give it a code and if it if you got a busy signal or didn't go through that was not a good code so you just you know increment the increment the number and, and do it again well uh, my buddy David different David than those Davids um, he uh his dad got a phone call from Sprint. It's like, uh, hey, you know, you, somebody at your house made like 10,000 phone calls last night. What are y'all doing? <laughs> and so, so I, I'm over here at my house doing, doing my thing. Uh, cause I would, I would hit the, the uh, Sprint codes and then get into these networks overseas to download software for my Commodore 64. Or on the way to being Commodore was like, was, was, yeah, yeah. At, at, Commodore 64 was big in Europe and uh, not as much here. So they had, you know, fun stuff. And so uh, David came to school the next day and he was like, I got caught. 
It's like, what do you mean he got caught? It's like, he came and he took my computer. <laughs> wow. So he got, he got in trouble. Got really and good. I happened to not get in trouble because I, I just didn't do that that night. Um, and so uh, David got caught. I didn't get caught. Oh, gosh. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was, that was back in the day. Uh, and then we ended up uh, at the University of Missouri in Kansas City where I went to school. Okay. Of course, I was doing the same same kinds of things back on Bitnet. Uh, if I don't remember, if you remember Bitnet uh, back back then. Uh, yeah, there were all universities were on uh, because it's TimeNet, and uh, uh, we get on that. And uh, uh, I actually so had what was Bitnet I'm because not, I, I'm I, I, Bitnet. I doubt our audience. Uh, it was it was a, a network uh, amongst a lot of the colleges and. Uh, uh, kind of a, a an offshoot of the, uh, the arpanet kind of a thing it grew into that okay. it was it was more for uh uh educational institutions and those kinds of things okay. right. uh to get everybody everybody connected and uh you know it was uh, we had a vax 11 780 it was the size of a you know semi truck uh, <laughs> and we we'd get on that and uh you know talk to people all over the world uh cool. and uh it was it was it was a lot of fun it was it was a great time and it that was back in 86 is when I, I was doing that. Uh, and BitNet would fit the whole network. They printed it out and it would fit like on a, on a 24 by 36 plot <laughs> back, back then. Uh, so it was, you know, watching all that stuff develop over the years has just been a, a great journey. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. And so, and there's, there's a couple books that if you haven't already read them, I bet you would love them. But, um, Kevin Mitnick did uh, these two books, Art of Intrusion and Art of Deception. And he basically catalogs yep. stories uh, of people who have done this type of stuff and, and either gotten caught or just were willing to talk to him about it. And it's very similar to there's a, there's a podcast called Darknet Diaries. It's a very popular podcast where he, he interviews people mm-hmm. who have you know, gotten caught doing hacks and they've come out of prison and they're able to, to kind of talk about everything that they've done. And, and other people who are you know, just on the penetration testing side, it's, it's Really, really interesting stuff. And uh, I remember at one point hearing hearing a story similar to that where they basically got into to AT&T's uh, systems and were able to you know, just completely control the phone systems to, to do whatever they wanted to do. What was the, what is the, the term? Is it freaking with a PH? Yep. That sounds. Mm-hmm. Yep, freaking. Yeah, you know, back, back in the day when you had in-band signaling and, you know, you could, you could, Blow the little whistle, a twenty six hundred hertz whistle, That's and, right. you can just, and you can actually, just make the sound. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, and that was in band signaling that that, that could do that. Uh, we built red box and green box and all those kinds of things. But by that time, uh, there was out of band signaling with uh, between switches. So uh, you know there was the path that you talked on, and then the path of the data that controls the path that you talked on. So they were separate. Uh, uh, those digital lines. When they went from the analog stuff over to the digital, okay, things uh, things completely changed. So you had a, you couldn't you couldn't signal within what you were talking, you know, the the line you were talking on. So kind of ruined the fun for everybody. It's, it's what depending happened there. on which side of it you're on. I guess. It's real fun, but yep. I golly, that's so. What got you into being a ham? What got you into the radio side of things? Uh, well, you know, uh. Talking to my friends was one of them. Um, the allure of, hey, you can talk all over the world. And, you know, we did some of that. But the, the cool stuff was uh, uh, the uh, packet radio stuff. Okay. Um, did a lot of that. Uh, digital communications. So, so, so talk about it a little uh, bit because, you know, I've somehow I've gotten in, in a thing recently where I keep discovering that a lot of the smartest people I know are, are also hands on the side. And they just neglected mm-hmm. to mention it at some point. And nobody talks about it much, but I'm really, really fascinated by, you know, by how you, you get into it, what, um, what you end up doing with it. Cause I don't know, the, the very first time that I heard about it, I had this picture of basically just having like a, a big old radio sitting on my desk and just sitting here, just listening for people coming in and going, yep, I'm here. <laughs> Is that basically what it was like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and well, the, the, the thing that, that really attracted me back, back then was, um, uh, we could, uh, we could, I was, I was part of like a storm chaser group. Oh, nice. Uh, and we would go out and we'd watch 
for storms. And then, uh, you know, you could radio in, we do, you know, taking care of emergencies. If there was, you know, a, uh, a natural disaster or those kinds of things, uh, amateur radio operators, right? if, if the telephones go down, if the electricity goes down, all that kind of stuff, the, uh, the hams are the guys that have the generators and the communications and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So, you know, they can, they can get information in and out. Uh, and that's one of the services that amateur radio operators provide. Uh, getting information and, and passing messages uh, all around the world. And uh, very, uh, it's a very resilient network of, uh, of service providers. Uh, and so I, I got in for that kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the experimentation aspect of it, you know, as a maker, uh, having access to all of the, the electronics information, I mean, because amateur radio is all about uh, when you get, you know, you take the test and so forth, and you learn all about electromagnetic stuff and antennas and communication modes and how to communicate. And uh, even inside of the digital modes, uh, which will give you, you know, it bridges straight into computer science, into, into telecommunications. So uh, I think that the kind of people that usually end up in, in as hams are those that really love to experiment, really love to figure things out, and really love to kind of expand uh, in those directions. And, and it gives you an opportunity to do that and hang out with people who do, yeah. which, is, which is really fun. It's, it's one of those things that surprises me a little bit. As, as prominent as radio is in our daily lives, um, you would think that it would be taught in, in high school at this point because it's so ubiquitous. I mean, every cell phone, uh, every satellite, and you know, they're, all, um, they're all just using radio. Just, and you, you think radio, you think you know, CB radios or the radio in your car. All these things are, are working on, on radio waves. They're doing different frequencies and they're doing different protocols over the frequencies. And then you've got all sorts of regulation that it t- decides who can talk on what ranges and, and all the other crazy stuff that goes along with it. And it's, it's all really, really fascinating to me. And it just seems like every, it seems like every nerd should know a little bit about it. And I'm, I say that as somebody who doesn't. Uh, and, and I always kind of wish that I uh, wish that I would have. And I've heard, and uh, apparently it's, possible to build like a little uh, crystal radio um and i have no idea how to do that but it seems like something to be fun for a scout trip to do a safety <laughs> mail yeah you know uh, crystal radio is is basically a big loop of wire and a diode and and, and a speaker really? it's essentially all it is uh and you know the electromagnetic wave electromagnetic waves are moving and so forth and you tune the the length of the wire uh, and what happens is when, you know, the alternating electromagnetic waves happen, it, it, the diode just lets half of the energy go through and comes out on the speaker. And that's pretty much it. And so now you can listen to the fluctuations of electromagnetics uh, with just that one little component. And uh, that, it's an it's a absolutely great starter for, for getting into what's going on. And then... You know, the technology now is software-defined radios. So it's no longer in hardware anymore. It's all uh, in software. It's, and, really? and you can listen to, to nearly the entire band of electromagnetic frequencies uh, all at once. Really? And just, uh, instead of tu- tuning... Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and special antennas and, and so forth like that. There's some... There's some uh, uh, extra technology is not as simple as a loop of wire and a diode anymore. Uh, but there's, you know, you, instead of tuning and listening to one station at a time, you get at this waterfall and you could see where on the spectrum somebody is talking or something is happening. Uh, and then tune in and listen there if you want to listen there. So there's the, the technology now is, is so, uh, advanced. Uh, and is advancing every day. And the thing is that old guys like me that have been through, you know, watching all this stuff develop, there is no preparation. Uh, I, I have to learn something new tomorrow, just like somebody who's, you know, right. it, the youngsters, right? I, so it's, it's not about what you know uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's really about how fast you can learn, how fast and, and, and how you exercise that curiosity. And you get in and you jump in to find out, uh, to discover what you don't know. 
And those kinds of things, is, that's the skill. It's not, it's not in, in, in the history. It's not in all these stories that I have to tell, albeit well, they were fun. None of them prepared me, you know, for all the new stuff that happens. If something new comes out tomorrow, uh, I have to learn it just as fast as, as you know, some of the younger folk do. Yeah. And, you know, if you listen to like, like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Uh, he's, he's, he's encouraging all of these kids to, you know, pick stuff up. Let's monetize Instagram. Well, I don't, I, I'm, that's not my thing, yeah. you know, but they're becoming millionaires off of the new technologies because they stepped in and they embraced them and they didn't have to know the history. They didn't have to know all of the stuff that, that we went through. They just had to be curious and motivated and put forth the effort and get it done. And that's, that's really the key. Curiosity and motivation pretty much sums up every good program or every good tech person that I've been around. I think that, uh, that is yep. very much the, the qualities that make it up. Cause you've, you've got to be interested in constantly learning new things because that's all the, the field is. And when it comes to technology, it's constantly changing. And so you've got to be used to constantly learning that stuff. And it, I mean, if, if you're looking to get into a field where you learn something once and do it over and over and over, technology is not that good. <laughs> no, no, it is not. And, uh, it is not yeah. curiosity and motivation. That's a, that might be the title of this podcast episode, Joey. Here you go. And, and no, no better place than at Synergy Mill where we, you know, we lower those barriers and give you those access to where, Hey, you bring your curiosity, you bring your motivation. We can help, help you make something, exactly. help get it done. All right. Help, help figure it out. So talking curiosity and motivation, you mentioned, you mentioned software and special antennas and everything to get into, to the ham radio stuff. So are, do you have like any recommendations for something like that? If somebody wanted to get started on a path down the, the radio side of things? Uh, you know, there's all sorts of resources on the internet. Um, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Uh, Adafruit has, has some kits. Um, there's, uh, of course you can, you can take a breeze down the Amazon path and see, uh, what all is available there, but everything is really, is well documented. Uh, you know, nowadays we have access to like the entire archive of human knowledge. (laughs) We, we didn't have that when I was a kid. We had a you know a phone book and it was this thing. Right. Uh, so now now you have you have uh, you have access to uh, everything everybody knows, and you can find it easily. So uh, type into that search bar. You know, hey, what's what's the best way to do a thing? Uh, and uh, you'll you'll find those answers. Uh, I have I have favorites that I go and I buy from, uh, but uh, you know. There are so many options available. It's just a matter of doing a little research and asking the questions and stuff is out there. Nice. So, yeah, in addition to, uh, let's see, we've gone through network architecture in Missouri, starting Synergy Mill, all the stuff you can do at Synergy Mill, TV production engineering, being a phone hacker back in the day. Uh, Ham radio. Let's see. What else haven't we covered? Uh, so I, I believe you told me that you were into uh, robotics as well. Yeah, back in the day, I did. Uh, I, I built some robot arms, built some uh, mobile bases, uh, built little turtles. Turtles. Um, yeah, it, well, it was a turtle. It it was uh, it was about this this square, and uh, it would run around in a box and uh, would hit the edge and back up and turn, go and hit the edge and back up and nice. Um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and you know, I, I, I crafted it from scrap wood and, and, uh, a couple of motors that I scrounged out of, you know, at the bin at Radio Shack and, and, uh, you know, it's just experiment, put it all together and then wrote the software on a Commodore 64 <laughs> in basic. Uh, so, you know, those kinds of things happen. Uh, nowadays, uh, I don't do as much robotic stuff now, but all of the stuff that's involved with that we do here and uh and i end up uh you know it's the the microcontrollers are the same kind of microcontrollers uh there's there the motors are the same kinds of things and all of that stuff is like super readily available i mean you know 20 bucks on amazon you get all the stuff and put it together uh whereas you know uh before a long time ago we you had to make it (laughs) 
So, you know, you've got this giant circuit board behind your head over here. Like, what does that do? Yeah, right there. That's the one. Oh, yeah. That, that, is a, uh, that is a motherboard out of an old computer that um, I actually drilled a hole in and put a clock mechanism in. So it's a, it's a clock. It's a fancy clock. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it just hangs out. I, I, was just I think it's an, old, it's an old Pentium board. And, yeah. All right. And so, you, you know, recently you've, been, you've also been pretty involved in trying to uh, get people meeting together again, working together again, pursuing their ideas. And there's all this post-COVID energy uh, in, in the area, especially to kind of get people back together and, and to following their passions and innovating everything. I know you've been involved with some of that with Hat Greenville, Hat Greenville Labs. Um, and, uh, and I, I believe you, you were also uh, pretty involved with Phil McCrayton and the beer and napkins initiatives that are out there. So do you want to talk about any of those or both of them? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is that, uh, it's not about what you know and it's not about who you know. It's about who knows you in the world today. And the thing is, you have to get out and you have to meet people and people need to meet you. And you need to, if you're a top of mind of somebody, uh, then you, you have access to, uh, you know, if they have an opportunity, they can call you in. Or if they have something to share, they can call you in. So it, it's about, you know, networking is fundamental to creating the, the kind of communities and the cultures that we have. And, and uh, uh, the bonds and the friendship, and the, and then we create stories together, and then we do, we, you know, we do really cool stuff. And maybe I don't know anything about a particular topic, but you might. And if you and I get together and we have, you know, we start thinking together, we want to do a project together. Uh, creativity happens, and then friendship happens, and then you know maybe you know, we start hanging out. Maybe, I, I don't know. There's the possibilities the start. Yeah, and yeah exactly. Yeah, Great. exactly. And so the, yeah, it is. Phil has done a, a, a absolutely fantastic job and a great concept with that. And I, and I helped him start that. I don't know. Years ago, uh, we, we put, put all that together and it's been through several, uh, iterations and it, it's growing. And, and, but the thing is that, the the whole business plan is is to get people together having conversations, uh, which is what the whole the the ecosystem you know you hear the entrepreneurial ecosystem yeah. all that kind of non jabber jibber jabber is is all about people getting together and having conversations. That's the extent of it, you know. And uh, if you've ever read the book Sapiens, which I it's you know it'll blow your mind. No, I've never uh, even heard the, of this. Yeah, Sapiens. Uh yeah. I, Sapiens. Yeah. That's one I'm going to yeah. include in the show notes. Yeah. Noah Harari is uh, the guy who wrote that. And it's, it's basically a, uh, it's about uh, culture and how society developed. And uh, there's a lot of anthropology in it. There's it's politics in it. It's, it's really good. But one of the, the basic fundamental things in there is that uh, language is the thing that defines stuff. Uh, companies exist in the language that they were uh, defined in. Uh, how we how we communicate and the the intimacy of our conversations uh, defines the relationship. And so that's that's what the whole ecosystem is about. Uh, it, yeah, and and it and you know you hear about the the entrepreneurial ecosystem and and you know drawing maps and and having. Uh, directories and all those kinds of things. But what, what it really comes down to is networking people together because people are the ones that control the resources. People are the ones that open up the opportunities. People are the ones that, that are the connection. It's not the company per se because a company exists in the conversation of the people. So, um, the whole, the whole thing about beer and napkins is let's get people together and have those conversations. Yes. Uh, Synergy Mill was the, the thing about Synergy Mill was let's get people together and have conversations and fun making things. And I think uh, during the, the pandemic, it was very destructive to all of that for all of us because we couldn't get together. We couldn't have those conversations in a uh, personal way. I mean, we were, you know, like this on, on video, right. which is very disconnecting, very disconnecting. Um, so getting people together to further uh, fun 
and conversations and business and opportunities. Getting people together is very fundamental to that to create the culture that we want to create, especially here at, you know, with Beer and Napkins, with Synergy Mill, right. uh, with, with Hack Greenville, uh, because really awesome things happen when we get people together and they come up with ideas. Uh, quick side story on that is we had the uh, drone guys show up with the 3D printing guys for an event one time and they created a drone, uh, 3D printed the bodies, and then they they had them sent out to make uh, carbon fiber frames and then they had kits and they sold these kits to schools for, you know, learning how to do drones and stuff. So really? that was a random, yeah, it was a random thing where we got people together. They started having a conversation and what ended up was kids got an opportunity to learn about the technology, the high technology drones is probably the, the pinnacle of all of the technologies put together, yeah. right? It's got the robotics. It's got, got the computer stuff. It's got, navigation it's got gps it's got you know all radio. of it radio i mean e everything so that that is a thing when you get people together and you're having conversations and you can you can have somebody bounce off of you ideas um that's where those those random interactions is where super creativity happens and beer napkins is one of those venues in which uh bill gets uh artists together uh, he gets engineers together. He gets uh, business uh, entrepreneurial folk together, um, and and what and what comes out of that are are uh, partnerships and ideas and relationships and friendships and the stuff that really, you know, really matters between people and, and having friends. And uh, you know, it's not about the toys and the the technologies and all those kinds of things. It's about the personal relationships that we have and the culture that we grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be having Phil on here at some point. We had to reschedule. He was actually supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, uh, but, but what about Hack Greenville Labs? I know, you know, HG Labs has been something I've heard about in the Hack Greenville Slack channels for a while. Um, I've seen some, a lot of civic tech projects. I think they just kind of rolled up a lot of what they're doing under the refactor Greenville. Uh, umbrella that is that has sort of been formed and i know that i uh, I, I saw a lot whenever we had the um that hat greenville nights event recently where you know some some glowing frames had been produced for as as signage for the event i think those were made over a synergy mill so so you know i know you've been involved with that yeah. a little bit so so talk to me about hat greenville labs yeah you know i've, I've been involved with hat greenville for i don't know a long time uh, Jim Chilella and I have been buddies for years and, and, and we share the same kind of let's, let's get people together. Let's, let's lower the barriers of, of, uh, you know, between people and let's, let's, let's gather together. Let's, let's move forward on projects. Let's move forward on things. And, you know, one of the cool things about Hat Greenville Labs, uh, this last summer was that somebody popped in and said, Hey, uh, I, we got some kids that want to learn 3D printing and, and coding and so forth. Uh, at, at local high schools and uh, uh, the group there was a whole bunch of people that just jumped in uh, and and it mobilized uh, programmers and engineers and makers like me and and we all got together and we we did this program for these schools uh, uh, over the summer uh, at four different four different schools and really, I think really made an impact on, on some kids. Uh, and what I didn't know at the time was that these were kids that were like their next step was juvie. They, they weren't like the really smart genius kids that were, you know, staying after school to learn something. No, these, these were like the, the kids that were, were fighting and, and were at risk and, uh, had troubles at home and all that kind of stuff. I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Um, so, you know, we, we just kind of went in and, and treated them like they were smart kids. And, uh, it was absolutely amazing that Hack Grimble Labs was able to pull these people together, to, uh, just programmers and 3D printing. Uh, we, we all together developed a curriculum, a, a week long curriculum for these kids. And then the, we as volunteers went in and, and taught it. And, uh, it was absolutely amazing to see these kids take to the programming side. They programmed uh, uh, a logo language uh, snowflake 
which we took and we dropped into um, Tinkercad. And from Tinkercad, we made some modifications and dropped it into the 3D printer. And, and we made uh, tops, like spinny tops, yeah. uh, from the math to the thing to the spinny top. And then they had uh, races to see whose top spun the most. So it, it was it was this whole progression of 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 concept that was brought together by bringing the the hat Greenville folk together and bringing the kids together, and that knowledge transfer happened, uh, and the encouragement happened, and I think there was uh, you know some of those kids are just absolutely like super brilliant off the scale, uh, they just don't know how to they don't know how to control it and point it. And it's just getting around people like the Hack Grimble Labs folk that could make an impact on them. And that, that is, that's awesome. The whole pur- purpose, right? It's, it's how do, how do we help and, and be, uh, influential in, in people to, to turn their life into like something super positive for them? Absolutely. Uh, cause we both know you, you know, you can, you can hit eight weeks of code school and, and get a great job. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the, these kids, these kids didn't know that those things were available. Uh, and, and so that was just one of the, the things about Hack Greenville Labs that, that really stood out to me uh, and made an impact on me personally uh, this last summer. But it's about getting, again, getting people together, sharing ideas and sharing opportunities and, uh, and, and making an impact on the world. Yeah, it is. Not just making a thing, but but really shaping culture and really shaping society and really shaping friendships and really shaping what really matters. How can somebody get involved with, with that if they, if they wanted to with a project like that? I mean, are there any future opportunities coming up for it? Was that a pilot project or what? That, that particular one was a, was a, a grant that, uh, that somebody happened to get. Um, but you know, the, the thing is that there's, I, I have I have one requirement and one expectation for people who work with me, and the one requirement is show up. Yeah, that's it. And the other and, and the one expectation is uh, I expect you to not do worse than last time. So incremental show up and incremental improvement. That's that's the basics of of that there. But here's the thing: just show up. Uh, Go the long way. The workshop is here. The yeah, I, I if you don't show up, we can't we can't get anywhere. So the, like the workshop is here. The tools are here. The the all of the opportunities are here. Uh, it's just a matter of sh- just just get over your dang self and show up and uh, and and interact and uh, things will things will happen and things will grow out of that and uh, opportunities get shared and concepts get shared and that is that's the thing. It's really just just show up and uh, uh, hack Greenville Labs and. Uh, uh, refactor Greenville and those other other things and and beer napkins and synergy mill are all about getting people together and having conversations because that makes our culture richer it makes it makes opportunities open for everyone it's 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 a super important thing Absolutely. and it, it it's it's what i really enjoy it's just getting people together and have a good I, time I, I think you've been nominated as the spokesperson for that now um but speaking of nominating people is, is there anybody that you can recommend that we need, might need to have on this podcast at some point who's doing interesting things in the area that are worth, that are worth talking about? Oh yeah. I got a couple. All right. Uh, if you can, if, <laughs> if you can, if you can get Olivia, oh. Olivia Sully on, uh, she is, uh, super awesome. I've been trying to super creative. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll nudge her that direction. Uh, but she she took on the initiative of uh, actually linking the side door uh, for Synergy Mill up to Slack. And so when you unlock the door at Synergy Mill, there's a message that shows up in Slack that says, hey, the door's open. Um, and, and did it in like an afternoon. Um, absolutely, absolutely amazing. So there's there's some, some knowledge there that you, you can get from her. Uh, and and she's she's really uh, amazing, a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, Who else do I need to uh, talk Doug Cohn, if you can, yeah, if you can get Doug Cohn on there too, oh, uh, right, if you get him to hold still, still long enough. Uh, yeah, super super cool dude. Uh, yeah, very very cool. He's very cool. working in the, the video game world now. Last I saw, and he is he has run the yep, gamut yep. of uh, of interesting career. 
stuff at this point. I think he's about my age, but I've got to go. I've got to go check that out as well. I think I th- at one point I, I nominated him for uh, uh, something about successful uh, Greenville, successful Greenville people under thirty-five, and I think I think he actually got uh, he got uh, nominated into that. Nice. So uh, he's uh, he's a celebrity of sorts. Awesome, that's fantastic. Well deserved. Well, well deserved yeah, too. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are we're kind of at our about our hour mark here. Is there anything you want to close out with? Uh, no. Uh, except hey, uh, come on down to Synergy Mill. We we've uh, we're going to have some open houses this month. Uh, we got some really cool uh, projects that are happening. We can help people figure things out and uh, really have fun doing stuff. Um, uh, you can meet 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 poke. Um, yeah, that's that, you know, that's my sales pitch. Uh, but it's, you know, it's about, it's about getting out. You know, I, I know Hack Greenville Labs is going to have some, uh, meetups, uh, uh, coming up, uh, after hours stuff. Uh, want to make sure that, uh, you know, you keep, keep an eye on that. Watch meetup.com or wherever they're going to be, be posting those. Uh, but, I mean, but really the, the underlying thing is be a friend, be open, come participate, uh, make those connections. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to meet you if you're listening to the podcast or you're watching me. You know, there are people that want to meet really cool folk like you. So please come out. We would love to meet you. All right. Go check out Synergy Mill. Joey, thanks for coming. I've got to give my my weekly shout out. Thanks to Herb Media for helping me get this podcast put on in the first place and for all your advice and guidance. If you're looking at, at starting a podcast or you're looking at doing one professionally where you need a, a company to help uh, support you in the production environment for everything as well. Uh, give Herd Media a call, also right here in Greenville. So thanks, guys, for that. Uh, thanks for coming, Joey, and uh, hope you had a good time. This has been the Carolina Codecast.